Acts chapter 2. And as you're turning there, it's a very special treat. Today is kind of a pivot day. Last chapter 1, Christ ascended to heaven, told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. And that is happening today in our study. But before we get too far, I wanted Josh to sing a song he wrote called Departing, which is a compilation of significant events through the life of Jesus all the way up to the big departing, his ascension. And uh, Josh, turn it to you, brother. John and his boys one day were in the river Jordan When the Lord our God walked in asking for a dip And behold the Lamb of God, John said, as the boys were listening Dropped their things and followed him as he was departing la 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 Nicodemus came one night with some heavy questions. Jesus said, Be born again and join me in the kingdom. For God so, for God so loved the world, he gave his son for your pardon. I wonder if his soul got saved the night he was departed. La 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 with a heart to serve was busy in the kitchen Mary learned so many things that Martha was missing through her worry and her wine her joy was departing Jesus said to Martha why are you fretting don't let your anxious heart miss what Mary's getting come now eat and drink of me this is what you're missing Martha said her joy returned and Jesus was departing Jesus and the boys were gathered eating and drinking. Jesus said that one of them would soon betray him. Judah stood to leave the room, now filled with Satan. Captured him with a kiss, they were departing. They stripped, they whipped, they mocked, they pierced, and from the cross did hang him. Fear and doubt did grip them all as he hung their suffering. Know ye not, without his death you'd all be forsaken. He gave up the ghost, and with that breath his soul was departing. gave his life for you he gave his life for you he gave his life for you and on the third day came a mystery in the garden from his side sprung the bride with him in resurrection he gave his life, he spilled his blood for our salvation. Hand in hand we'll walk with him, never to be departed. La 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 The boys asked the master, are you restoring the kingdom? Jesus said, you're not to know the time nor the season. But go and wait for the Holy Ghost, whose power will be given. Before their very eyes, to the clouds he was departing. La 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 la
Amazed by this awesome sight, the boys stood there pondering. When their eyes were captured by angels clothed with lightning, why do you men of Galilee stand there piddling? <laughs> the Lord's returning again one day, the same way he's departed. La lie, la lie, la lie, la lie, la 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 la. Yeah. Why do you stand gazing up a piddling at a <laughs> Acts chapter 2. John, I'm glad you're all safe. It's good to see you again, Stephen. Matthew. What form will it take? When will it come? Jesus said all we had to do is ask. I have been asking. Every day. The Holy Spirit will come when the time is right. I think we should pray together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
Welcome to Acts, Christ's Ministry Continues. It's a book that is a continuation of Luke's gospel. A physician named Luke wrote a biography of Jesus that is named after himself, just as Matthew, Mark, and John did. And then he continues writing with what could be called the second book of Luke. It's a book of the history of the church. It begins with chapter 1, where Jesus ascends into heaven after telling them to go to Jerusalem and wait until they received the promise of the Father. The power of the Holy Spirit was theirs to receive. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we'll read our text. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, lights please, they were all with one accord in one place. What that place was is a topic for discussion. Some people say because they were in the upper room in chapter 1, a place called an upper room in chapter 1, they must have been there in chapter 2, which you could surmise that. But if you go to Luke's gospel, the last chapter, chapter 24, the last verse says that they were daily in the temple praising God. So every day they spent some time in the temple obeying Jesus, waiting for the promise of the Father, and no doubt they spent some time in the upper room. Large gathering, small gathering place. This pattern is continued throughout the book of Acts. They met in the temple and house to house, publicly and place to place. So with that being the pattern of the church, no doubt this could have happened in the temple. They began to meet regularly in the, pre, in the following chapters uh, on Solomon's porch. It could have been the very place where Jesus stood and said, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The day of Pentecost is part of one of the Jewish festivals. The Jewish people, as God commanded Moses, had three festival seasons. Uh, seven feast days, but three festivals comprising the seven days. And uh, they're at different times of the year. And the Feast of Pentecost, which means 50 days, is 50 days after the Feast of Passover. The Passover was the celebration of their deliverance from slavery in uh, the book of Exodus. is an amazing story of how God's people, the children of Abraham, had been enslaved for 400 years and how God set them free through a series of miracles and plagues and judgment upon their slave drivers. And uh, the last plague was the plague of Passover. Plague for the Egyptians, but blessing for the Jews. And at this feast, they were told to sacrifice a lamb, eat the lamb, and put the lamb's blood on the doorposts of of their home At that night, every house that had blood on their doorpost was passed over by the judgment of God. And so through that, the heart of their Egyptian slave owners were were broken through the death of, of what visited their homes, and they let them go free. And so they celebrate that to this day every year during Passover, in Hebrew, during Pesach. They celebrate that. And that feast is celebrated with unleavened bread. They get the leaven out of their house. Yeast or leaven, it's a mold, it's a fungi. It's not an unfun guy, but it is fungi. And uh, they get it out of their home because it's a picture of sin. 
purifying themselves, celebrating the freedom they have from slavery as a people. Fifty days later is Pentecost or Shavuot. It's the feast of first harvest or early harvest. When the wheat harvest is uh, accomplished, this pretty much is 50 days after Passover. So celebrating the beginning of harvest, honoring God. And then there's another feast at the conclusion of the harvest called the Feast of Tabernacles, where they remember their journey in the wilderness of living in tents. And to this day, they celebrate that as well by living on their rooftop during that festival or out on the street under uh, ramshackle little shacks that they build. And it's a joyous occasion. That feast, I believe, has yet to be fulfilled in the returning of the Lord when we who have been tabernacling here are caught up to meet him in the air to live in mansions, places that he's prepared for us, where even the White House would be a shack compared to what we are about to inherit. So we're living between these two feasts, as it were, in prophetic times. The Feast of Pentecost was fulfilled the early harvest, the birth of the church, the first gathering of souls into the kingdom of God under the new covenant happened on this day. It's also a day of celebrating the giving of the law. For 50 days after Passover, Moses went to Sinai and received the law of God. So they celebrate the giving of the law. Now, it's really different from that day because on that day, the law was broken before Moses got it to the people. He saw idolatry. He threw the, the, thing, the, the stone tablets down where God's law was written with his finger. And 3,000 people were killed that day. 3,000 people died. On this day, the Spirit of God came and with his finger began to write his law on the hearts of men, fulfilling Ezekiel's and Jeremiah's prophecy when God was going to do this. And 3,000 people are saved 3,000 people are born again. 3,000 people find new life. There's some other parallels. Um, The Feast of Pentecost is celebrated with leavened bread. The priest would wave leavened bread before the Lord, which to me symbolizes that God is going to include all nations on the day of Pentecost, which he did. Not just the unleavened nation, but even the leavened nations. And God will pour out his spirit on sinful flesh. Isn't that awesome? God is so wonderful. All right, back to the text. Verse 2. On this day, it is fully come. It was definitely, the sun is fully up. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So if it was in the temple, the whole temple was filled with this sound. If they were in the upper room, the whole house was filled with that sound. Notice they were sitting down. Good posture for receiving from the Lord. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. So these flames looking like tongues appeared to each of them. And one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled. Can we say all? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they are all filled with the Spirit. Peter, later on in this chapter, explains this as being something that Jesus did. He poured out this which you see and hear. All right, so they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they, having been filled with the Spirit, begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. 
Uh, verse 5, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. What were they doing there? They were there for the festival of Pentecost. Many times, because it was, they came from so far, many times they would come in for Passover and just stay until Pentecost. There for, for the full two festivals. That being the case, many of them knew the whole story of Jesus, knew about his crucifixion, maybe some of them witnessed it, and about the resurrection. So they knew the foundation of the gospel. I mean, it was a setup, wasn't it? So here they are from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, verse 6, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now, the word there for tongues or language is the word glossas. You have glossolalia. Um, charismatic churches emphasize glossolalia, speaking in other languages. But here, the word each one, heard each one speak in his own language is the word dialectos dialect. So not only did they speak in other languages, but they spoke in unique dialects of those languages. Is there anybody here from England, Uganda, Bosnia, uh, people from other countries speak in what we call an accent. They would say, we speak in an accent. Y'all fixing to have some dinner and go up to Minnesota. All these accents are dialects of the English language, right? The uh, English would tell us that we don't speak English, we speak American. And the Irish would tell us, you Americans speak broken Irish. So they, they hear them speak not only in other languages, but they hear them speak in their own dialect in which we were born. Now here's a list of over 15 nationalities, 15. Verse 9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites. Those dwelling in Mesopotamia, who knows how many languages that is, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, who knows how many languages that is, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. So this is a crowd of Jews and Gentiles, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So when they're speaking in the other languages, what were they saying? Were they just saying, see my tie, tie my tie, come and take a ride on my Yamaha? No, they were declaring, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They were declaring good things of the Lord in other languages and dialects. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? So they hear this sound of wind, they come to see, is it a tornado, is it a storm, what is it? And then they hear these people who they knew were from Galilee. How did they know that? They must have been dressed like hicks, I don't know. Others mocking said, verse 13, they are full of new wine. It must be some kind of new drug. But Peter, verse 14, standing up with the 11, so there's 12 people counting Peter, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea 
and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Hey guys, it's too early to be drunk. It's only 9 a.m. Hungover maybe, but not drunk. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes Joel's prophecy from chapter 2 of Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Can we say all? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Can we say shall? Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So they're going to prophesy. They're going to have prophetic visions and prophetic dreams. And on my men's servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Can we say troubles? The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That prophecy ends with that statement that is echoed several times in the Bible. But what in the world does that have to do with us today? That was for them then. But today, is there an app for that? Is there an application? Yes, there is. The application is found in the title. This fulfilled promise still promises. The promise made to the first followers of Jesus is still made to us. God wants us to be endued with power, but I don't want to get ahead of myself back to the sermon. Let's talk about the promise. The promise was given by Joel. Here's what Joel actually said. Chapter 228, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on my maid servants and on my men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And Peter adds the words, and they shall prophesy. This is what Peter said. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now, Jeremiah gave other prophecies about people, God having a people that know him, not just about him, but they actually know him. And including Ezekiel's prophecy, talked about putting his law in the hearts of his people. This was fulfilled on this day. John the Baptist prophesied that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 3, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. All right, he was calling people to repentance, and it's a sign that you're sincere, you want to follow Jesus, you take a plunge in the river with him to wash off the past beginning for the new. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Can we say fire? fire. 
Fire, I believe, is a symbol of zeal, also of cleansing. This same prophecy is given by him in slightly different words and different phrases in Mark 1.8, Luke 3.16, and John 1.33. For the sake of brevity, uh, you can look that up on your own. It's in your notes. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his followers. In John 7, verse 37, he said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, the old King James says, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. Can we say living? But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit prophesied by John the Baptist and promised by Jesus is a river of water that he puts in us. In John chapter 20, verse 22, he breathes on his disciples and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what I'm about to say, you may disagree with. That's fine. Let's still be friends, okay? I believe he's commissioning them in so many words to go wait for this promise. You don't think they received the Holy Spirit right there? Well, if they did, then it would contradict what he had said in another place about his departure. He said, it's important that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. So he was going to leave and send back the Holy Spirit. That was a promise. Here he blows on his disciples and tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, those sins are retained. So receiving the, Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit is important, but it is also important, I think equivalently important, to forgive sins and not be retaining sins. Saints, holding grudges is not right. I shared my own story a few weeks ago of, of a grudge the Lord showed me I had, and I got set free. And I'm still free today, not because it happened instantly, but because I'm determined to walk in freedom. And when that sucker tries to come back, I put it at bay. Listen here, I'm not holding on to you. You're gone. I'm going to love everybody. Give me that old-time religion. Makes me love everybody. My mama used to say, if you can't love everybody, you really can't love anybody. In Luke 24, we read this a couple Sundays ago, the last chapter of his gospel, Luke said that Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This very book begins with these verses where Christ says for them to uh, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And if you think 10 days is a long time, the Lord thinks it's not very many days. Um, so in 10 days, this, this promise is going to be fulfilled. And of course, in verse 8, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And it happened in one day. 
But it didn't stop there because the power of the Spirit began to send them out to plant congregations in other places at the right time. After about eight years, this awesome church in Jerusalem began to send people out because of persecution. And uh, the gospel spread throughout the world. So Joel predicted this. John the Baptist prophesied it. Jesus promised it. And Peter preached it. He preached this promise was for as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, he goes on throughout the rest of the chapter preaching the gospel of Jesus, talking about his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And while he's preaching it, they become convinced that what he's saying is true. They become convicted of their unbelief and sin. And they ask him, what shall we do? Peter responds with this statement. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repentance means to turn around. It means to make a 180. The military, when they make a 180, the commander, as they're marching in formation, says, about face, and you turn, you, you repent. In England, they actually say, repent, and they turn and go the opposite direction. Change your ways, follow Jesus, and turn from your sins and get baptized, is what he's telling them. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. The King James Version says, to all who are a long ways away, to all who are afar off. So the promise given by Joel, John the Baptist, Jesus, is proclaimed by Peter to be for everybody, all flesh, and all who are far off. So we're a long ways away geographically and historically, are we not? In time zones, we're about eight hours away from where this happened, seven hours away, I guess. Depends on when we have daylight savings time. That's a long ways away. And historically, it's a long ways away. About 2,000 years ago, this happened. And it still stands today. How many here have received the Holy Spirit? You know, it doesn't stop there. We can see, I can show you in two chapters, these people are filled with the Holy Spirit again. And they speak the word of God with boldness. And maybe those that weren't filled on this day all got filled on that day. So the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a promise that still stands today, and it's for all of us. It's the fulfilled promise that still promises. Now, here's your question. Here's the app. Have you received this promise? Do you know that you know that you know Jesus has baptized you in his spirit? There's a thing in the Bible called the doctrine of baptisms. It's kind of different. So bear with me here. You know what baptism in water is? The Christian baptizes the new Christian or an old Christian, whatever. One person baptizes another person in water, right? When we are saved, the Bible says the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now, who knows? The body of Christ is not water. So baptism in the body of Christ is not water baptism. It is when the Lord makes you his. And the Holy Spirit does this. 
by anointing the person witnessing to you, by speaking to you through the verse that you're reading or the sermon that you're hearing or the program that you're watching, convicting you of your sins and bringing you to a place of saving faith. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to make you part of the body of Christ. So if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit has baptized you into Jesus' body. He's the head, we're his hands and feet. You got that? And then if you're a believer, you should be baptized in water. One member of the body of Christ baptizing you is another member of the body of Christ in water. But then there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. We're in God. God is in us. You're in Jesus, and Jesus is in you. Uh, Don't try to make sense of it all, but this is a biblical pattern. He wants to baptize you in his Holy Spirit where you are in him and out of you comes rivers of living water. He is in you, empowering you to continue his ministry. Isn't that awesome? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you've been baptized into the body of Christ? Have you been baptized in water since you've been made part of the body of Christ? That's another question to ask. We bow our heads. Lord, I pray for every person here Every single person here. Help us, Lord, to search our hearts and convict us, Lord, if we're unwilling to be open to everything you have for us. And Lord, if anyone here has been turned off by a pushy charismatic or an aggressive Pentecostal or just a flaky Christian, help us, Lord, to understand that we live by your word and uh, not by the weaknesses of people. Help us to see from your word what you have for us and to be open to receive all that you have for us. And Lord, I pray if anyone here that has, has been filled with the Holy Spirit, help us, Lord, to continually be filled with your Spirit and empowered to do your will. In Jesus' name. In our text, they were sitting in one place. Sitting down. On the floor, in chairs, maybe windowsills. Waiting on the Lord. Can we just take a few seconds and just wait on the Lord before we call the ministry team forward? Lord, we just... uh, I just encourage you to open your heart. A symbol of you opening your heart, just kind of lay your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, open my heart receive what you have for me. Now open your hands. Receive what you have for me. I want to encourage you to do this every day. Take a few minutes to wait on the Lord and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit today. I think the fullness of the Spirit comes to those that are hungry, those that are thirsty. Jesus himself said, if your child asks you for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? Bread, would you give him a rock? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? So based on that kind of trust in the loving God, I want you to receive by faith the spirit he has for you. Can we stand?